Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibut people and our world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. In the middle of March, fish would begin to spawn. First smelt, then herring, then sturgeon and salmon would make their spawning runs. The people were assured of food from March until September, when the Mi'kmaq's favorite fish, the eel, would begin to run. The Mi'kmaq relied heavily upon the sea and its products, for it supplied about 90% of the available food. From Mi'kmaq Spirit. Our guest on Mi'kmaq Matters this week is Chief Mazel Joe of the Meowbugag First Nation. Most of you know the name Mazel Joe. Not only is he chief for Sagamaw, he also has the role of respected elder, familiar with Mi'kmaq history and someone whose personal history is intertwined with that of his community. In large part due to his work, Meowbugag First Nation has gone from a poor, isolated community to a strong, vibrant First Nation with almost full employment. But the path has not always been easy. Chief Joe and others had to go on a hunger strike in 1983 to force the provincial government to release federal funds meant for the band. I talked to Chief Mazel Joe about the situation of the Halibu, our strained relationship with our brothers and sisters on the mainland, and what it means to be Mi'kmaq. So let me ask you first about uh, the numbers. There are about 18,000 people who are officially uh, now part of the rules, and there are 100,000 applicants for membership in the Halibu Band. Were you concerned about the numbers? No, not at all, because the way I look at it is uh, if the criteria that's put forward uh, is, is legitimate, and the government of Canada decides that uh, those are people that are legitimate and we're going to recognize them, it's their fiduciary obligation to fulfill that, whatever the obligation, financial one, that's their obligation. Uh, I can't see how that could work any other way. In other words, the, the ultimate bill for the federal government should not be a reason to exclude people from, uh, from status. No, not not if like if they go forward and you've got all the information that's required under the criteria that uh, the Kalibu uh, ban have. Uh, if they if they fit all those bills and the federal government accept that, then uh, the financial issue is not an issue that I'm afraid of because they're not going to take money from me or from this ban uh, to to give to somebody else. In that case, you know uh, what would have happened in 1987. When me became a recognized ban on reserve, then they would have taken the money from everybody else in Canada and given it to us. That's ludicrous. Now, one of the one of the issues, even among Halibut people, is what is it to be Mi'kmaq? Uh, some people only recently found about found out about their their ancestry, and now they are status Indians under the Indian Act, and People, uh, people, Halibu people, and people elsewhere in Atlantic Canada, other Mi'kmaq communities, say, "Well, how how can you suddenly become uh, Mi'kmaq?" There's a question of what it is to be a Mi'kmaq person, and how do you how do you think of of that issue? Uh, you know, three or four different things come to mind right away. Is uh, being a, being a Mi'kmaq person, whether you're in Newfoundland or anywhere, you're a Mi'kmaq person. 
and some people are fortunate enough to grow up that way and have all those connections to their to to their customs traditions of their people. But not everybody is fortunate enough in Newfoundland, unfortunately, because of the of the church, uh, you know, the government. Uh, if you go back far enough, you'll find that uh, you know, uh, 1749, for instance, Cornwallis issued a proclamation um, to all the governors around around the Atlantic that. Big Mall people was to be uh, slaughtered on site and paid their soldiers uh, a fair amount of money for three years, I believe. Uh, but uh, that never happened. But then, then you have the church and the governments that uh, followed up on that with outlying of language and culture. Uh, people uh, was afraid to make known of who they were. That's common knowledge. And then you had to that in 1949, uh, Joey Smallwood's government deliberately um, choose to uh, pencil out of the terms of union. So all those things are combined. And But in order to to have this feeling of pure Big Mall feeling, that comes from living in a community where you grow up with people that speak the language and know the land, know the culture. And, and again, it's unfortunate that people, there are people out there that never had that and will probably never have it. Being recognized by the federal government is nice, but that don't make you a Mi'kmaq feeling person. A lot of people equate to uh, being recognized as having money, and it's not about money. It's about who you are as a Mi'kmaq person. And I'm sure we're no different in this community, um, whereby if the money dried up uh, tomorrow, I'm sure you would find a lot of people here uh, saying, you know, I'm just guessing, uh, I'm not putting people down for this, but I'm sure you'll find people saying, well, I was only in for the money anyway. Mm. And that's, I'm going back to 1983 now when uh, I became the chief here and there was no money because the government of Newfoundland was withholding our funds. Um, you know, I, I had public meetings and I'm, a lot of my own people here said I was crazy, I would never want to get money from the province, and and uh, when we went off to St. John's, a hundred of us to protest uh, the federal uh, the, parent, the parental government for what they were doing. And people sat on side roads and made fun of us, and that's mm-hmm. our own people. But again, you got to you got to think back: the fear of government, the fear of church. Anyone that was an official had the power to crush us, uh, according to the older people, anytime they wanted. So it's overcoming that fear and taking control of your life. And I've always said to people that, you know, the governments uh, of the day can take away your pride and dignity and they beat you down, but they can't give it back. You have to take it back. And in a lot of cases, that's what we all need to do. We need to take back our, our ownership of who we are as Big Mouth people, regardless if you are now just finding that you have, have all those connections of who you are, and you're just now finding it, well, that's not your fault. The blame can be put on uh, what's been done to us as Mi'kmaq people in this province. But it sounds, from what you're saying, is that uh, it's not uh, it's not our fault as Alibu people that our our culture was taken away, but we have a responsibility now to to make an effort to recover it and become familiar with it. In other words, it's not just enough to get your status card. The work is not over. There's um, uh, a responsibility uh, on each person going forward. 
Well, we all have a responsibility. If we're going to build a nation uh, which is, in a way, separate from the Mi'kmaq nation, because we live on the rock, and let's face it, you know, uh, we're alone here as Mi'kmaq people. We all have a responsibility. And, and whether you get a card or not uh, saying that you're a Mi'kmaq person don't really matter. As long as you feel in your heart that you are, then get involved and be part of something that's growing leaps and bounds. And... Um, make it stronger than it is. We, at this stage in Newfoundland, we are the largest organized group in in the Maritimes. We're 30,000 people or so close to it. And we're more than, than they have in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI alone. And that's simply because of, of the 1949 uh, exclusion. And also, you know, the, the, what the churches and the governments have done over the years. So, you know, it's not anyone's fault that they've been left out, that people had to leave to go to work. We had people leave and go and join their armed forces simply because they wanted a job. And people went to Scotland to work in the forestry because they wanted a job. People moved from Newfoundland to Toronto and other places in Canada simply because they wanted work and they, they couldn't live the lifestyle uh, that they had in Newfoundland, which was nothing. And we all know, we all grew up in a time when when racism and prejudice is pretty bad against our people. It's still around, by the way, but it's not as open as it used to be. But So that was there. And if you wanted to stay in Newfoundland, you had to put up with a lot of lot of stuff coming your way, and that including finding decent work and, and someone that was uh, willing to give you work to start with. And especially if you, if you look, uh, if you look uh, Indian-looking, you know, it was difficult at times, and I grew up with that, and I, I experienced that when I moved away from uh, from Newfoundland. Right. Now, you mentioned you mentioned uh, the numbers in Newfoundland compared to the rest of Atlantic Canada, and as as you know very well, other Mi'kmaq uh, communities in Atlantic Canada have not been very supportive of the Halapu. And you might even stay, say there were, they had been somewhat hostile. So you uh, move in the same circles as the chiefs in Atlantic Canada. What would you say is the, is the attitude among among them towards uh, the Halibu? I think someone is doing some fear mongering, to be honest with you, and a lack of understanding. Uh, you know that, and I think this is false too. By the way, for someone to say this that. What's going to happen to the funding that's allotted for health and for uh, uh, funding for a band? Um, well, uh, I think that's just a false front of, of somebody saying, well, we don't really want to support this group. Well, you guess what? We don't give a damn whether they support us or not because it's not their say. And, and someone has said that the Grand Council should intervene and the Grand Council should say who's Mi'kmaq or who's not. Well, the Grand Council don't have those powers. It would be fantastic if it did, but the Grand Council lost its powers in 1610 when Grand Chief Bimertu was first baptized as part of the church. The powers lie within the communities like yours and mine uh, and the federal government. And uh, you know, to me, I really don't care if, if the support is there from the chiefs of Atlantic Canada or not. What's going to happen will happen, and it will happen because we want it to happen. Same way we got recognized in 1987. We got recognized not because um, uh, we had a lot of support from anybody else, because we're on our own 
our own speed and steam that we we done it. And the same thing will happen with the with the Kaligu band. They, one thing they say is that the way that the enrollment process took place was not uh, respectful of other Mi'kmaq groups. The uh, the federal government, uh, Stephen Harper was the prime minister at the time, and the Federation of Newfoundland Indians re- entered into an agreement on their own, just the two parties, without any consultation with uh, the, ground co- the Grand Council or other Mi'kmaq communities. Do you think that's a... Uh, a valid uh, criticism of how the enrollment process uh, took place initially. Well, we, we did uh, a consultation with the Grand Council uh, simply because we, going back to uh, oh 1860, when the uh, Grand Chief uh, came to Newfoundland and appointed uh, the Chief uh, Morris Lewis, Reuben Lewis, uh, Morris Lewis, I believe, as the first uh, district chief in Newfoundland. And we've maintained that tradition right up until present day. We still have the same gold medal that was presented in the 1860s. And so when we went forward, we uh, felt an obligation on our part to consult with the Grand Council and other other bands in, in Atlantic Canada. But we weren't looking for their support. We just simply want to make sure that we uh, consult with them. And that's not a criteria for um, that's not a criteria for registration. Registration will take place with, within uh, the federal government and the band looking for recognition simply by doing the genealogy, doing the support work that needs to be done. The Grand Council can't stop you from moving forward. Neither can the Chiefs of, of, of the Maritimes can stop you. They can kick up a lot of fuss, but they're not going to stop you from moving forward because it, it all comes down to your own your own genealogy, your own work that you've done, and if it's, if it's accepted by the federal government and by by the band, then it's, that's what that's what you need to move forward on. But even though it's not a requirement, and do you think there would be uh, less uh, fuss, as you say, from the other Mi'kmaq communities in Atlantic Canada if the Halibut had gone through the the consultation with the Ground Council? There was not a not a requirement. It's more of a uh, yeah, it, uh, sort it, of an act of respect, you might say. Absolutely, uh, that's that's the part that's missing. Because uh, when uh, when my chief, my my chief, who was my uncle, died in 1982, he was the district chief for Newfoundland. And uh, when I uh, when he died, uh, and I got elected in 1983, um, I think at that time we were members of the FNI, and the letter came forward to to me that. Uh, that uh, the FNI would no longer accept that the uh, district chief would come from Con River and they would go out on their own. And that's when we actually parted away for the FNI because at that stage, you got to keep in mind, we have so little of our culture and identity left, we didn't want to lose anything else. And it, wasn't, it wasn't about me being the district chief for Newfoundland. It was about holding on to what we have not losing a shred of, of anything that we had that was dear and near to us that we can use going forward. So in 1983, we, we parted ways with F&I simply because uh, we couldn't afford to lose any of anything that we had that would help us. Hmm. I mean, that was that was the choice of the F&I uh, leadership at the time. I mean, I'm not condemning them. I'm not bashing them. I'm just simply stating the, the reason why we left. Uh, the 
the Halibu are currently part of the the FNI, and there's been some discussion about uh, about whether the the Halibu should become members of the Assembly of First Nations now that the Halibu are a First Nation. Do you think there would be support from the other chiefs in the AFN to have the Halibu uh, become a member of the AFN? Well, uh, the only way you can really test that one is to uh, get a motion put to the floor, and then the, the chief would vote on it, and in, including every every chief in Atlantic Canada that's a part of the AFN have one vote. That's all. Hmm. And um, there's enough chiefs across Canada if, uh, if they wanted to to outvote the Atlantic, the Atlantic provinces, as far as I know. And I have a, I have one vote. So even though you have people like uh, Terry Paul, the chief from uh, Member Two, who will probably vote against, uh, he would sure. have. I haven't heard Terry Paul uh, come out to speak, not to me personally or in public. Hmm. Uh, come out to speak against uh, the, the inclusion of uh, the Kalibu ban, whether in APC or AFN. I don't know if anybody else had, but I have. Going forward, uh, do, you, do you see any way to have any kind of uh, reconciliation between the Halapu and the other the other uh, Mi'kmaq people? Obviously, in on the island of Newfoundland, um, uh, your nation and the uh, Halbu First Nation, there is, uh, you know, there is a supportive relationship. In terms of the other communities in Atlantic Canada, do you think there's any way to uh, improve or build a relationship uh, going into the future? Well, uh, it's going to take two sides to make this happen. And if the APC wants uh, Newfoundland to be inclusive rather than exclusive, and if they believe in a nation building and that Newfoundland is part of the Mi'kmaq nation, then they'll consider this very strongly because, uh, after all, we've always said that Newfoundland have always been a part of the Mi'kmaq nation. Well, it's either, either a part of the nation or it's not. And if it's not a part of the nation, let them tell us that it's not. Let the Grand Council tell us it's not. And that's fine. Uh, we don't have Aboriginal rights in Newfoundland. Uh, we've gone to court, and the court says we don't. If we want to have... Uh, Aboriginal rights, we, we have to go to Nova Scotia to get them. And that's a court case in itself. But to me, that's that's the bottom line. We are either part of that nation that everybody claims it is, then either we are or we're not. And to me, personally, uh, we've been alone on this rock for a long time, and we've been it for ourselves for a long time. And if we have to, we can continue to do that. But we need to do that as a group. We can't do it by ourselves. Chief Mazel Joe. And the 22nd annual Meabogag Powwow is July 7 to 9th this year. Chief Joe will be there, of course. Among other things, he'll be doing his medicinal walks. And that's it for the show this week. Thanks to Allison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Thanks also to Halibu artist Marcus Goss for permission to use Celebration Time. Follow us on Twitter, at Mi'kmaq Matters. That's M-I-Q-M-A-Q Matters. Check us out online, migma-matters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.